Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Tuesday, July 14th edition of the MMA OB Daily Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Adam Martin, and I'm joined by my co-host here, Mr. Cole Sheldon, to break down UFC on ESPN 13, Ige versus, or Cater versus Ige, I should say. He's higher rank guy. Uh, decent card, Cole. Not a lot of big names by any means, but definitely some interesting matchups. So we'll talk about this card. Uh, also, we'll briefly get into UFC 251. If you missed it, I broke that uh, whole card down, recapped it with Steve Jeffrey on uh, Sunday night. We did a special edition of the podcast. I definitely recommend checking out that podcast, not just for the recap, but to hear Steve's thoughts on the UFC rankings. He was a rankings panelist for like seven years, and he recently quit, and he explained why he quit, and he explained his uh, rationale for that. So I, very interesting discussion. Definitely check that out. Um, yeah, but as far as today goes, we'll do the preview for this card, talk a little bit about UFC 251, and then some fight announcements, some news, and yeah, that's about it. So, Cole, let's get right into it, man. So UFC and ESPN 13. Give your thoughts on this card as a whole while I set it up, man. Yeah, you obviously don't have a whole lot of big names, a lot of European fighters, a lot of people making their UFC debuts. But, I mean, you can't really complain. UFC on a Wednesday night, two UFC events this week, you can't really complain that much. Yeah, I agree with that. We Like I should say, uh, we have another podcast on Thursday. So me and Cole will be back Thursday morning at 10 a.m. to break down UFC uh, on ESPN 14. Is that what, is that what it would be? I just know their hashtags are UFC Fight Island 1 and UFC Fight Island 2. Probably a Fight Night 172 on Best Fight Odds. I really have no idea. None of us know until the fight. Sometimes we don't even know what the bout order is until the night of the fight, which is really stupid in my opinion. But either way, we'll be back Thursday morning. But let's get into this card right now. All right, so first thing I got to say, fight's been scratched. Weigh-ins just happened, so we actually have weigh-in news. One fight has been scratched. The light heavyweight bout that was supposed to be between Kenneth Berg and George Gonzalez was canceled after Berg Failed to make weight due to a medical issue. He was pulled from the, just trying to make weight by the doctor. So he wasn't able to step on the scale. Gonzalez did make weight at 205. So no idea if they're going to like find someone on like one day's notice to fight it. I'm assuming he just stepped on the scale to make the weight so he gets his show money at least. That's probably what it is. And also there is that other fight between uh, Michaletis and Bukowka. So maybe someone gets sick, he can still fight them. But uh, yeah, it looks pretty bad for this guy. Took the fight in short notice, so sucks, man. He made the weight. Berg didn't make the weight. Either way, the fight is off. So we move to the next fight. And I should say there was a couple of guys that didn't uh, didn't miss the weight uh, limit. So we'll talk about those guys when their uh, fights come up. All right, so let's start with the first fight on the card now. It's a bandway belt between Jack Shore and Aaron Phillips. And right now, the odds have Jack Shore is a huge minus 700 favorite. Aaron Phillips plus 500 underdog. He took the fight in short notice. Give me your pick in this one, Cole. Yeah, it's not surprising to see the odds as high. Like Phillips went 0 3, yeah, 0 3 in the, or 0 2 in the UFC, and then he got cut. He, um, it's good that he got back in, but like, it's just look at who he's beat since he's returned. Like, he beat a guy 2 and 1, 0 and 1, 6 and 7, 7 and 2, 10 and 5. Just the level of competition to get back in the UFC hasn't been there. It's hard to lay that minus 700 Jack Shore. I think Jack Shore is going to win this fight. And I know Aaron Phillips is a tough guy, but I think Jack Shore is going to uh, earn a stoppage win too, whether it be like ground pound TK or submission win. I've been nothing impressed with this guy. Smith and Nolan Hernandez, UFC debut, former Cage Warriors, Bantamweight champion. He has a lot of good wins in Cage Warriors, which is a good promotion. I think Jack Shore probably finishes his fight pretty early, first, second round. If I had to pick, I'd probably say submission, but I'd if you're going to bet this fight, I'd look at the Jack Shore inside the distance prop. Yeah, he's supposed to fight Anderson DeSantos, who tested positive for COVID-19. So Aaron Phillips took the fight in like a week or two's notice, not much notice at all. you got to like Jack Shore in this fight, obviously. The line's minus 700 for a reason. The guy's just a really good prospect. Um, like you said, Cole, undefeated, 12-0, and 0, 
Cage Warriors veteran. He looked really good in his debut against Nolan Hernandez, getting that third round finish. Uh, smoked him in that fight. He's got some pretty good experience fighting over Cage Warriors. He has a way over Von Lee, the former UFC veteran. So he's got some good experience, man. He's been impressive, dude. He finishes every opponent almost uh, 11 wins by stoppage in his career. You know, Aaron Phillips, I got to give up to this guy. After losing the two straight fights in the UFC, he lost another fight to Chris Gutierrez by injury. And then since then, he's, lost, he's won five straight fights to work his way back in the UFC. He took a couple years off. I guess really just changed his training and just changed his focus in the sport. So, you know, good for this guy, man, to make it back. I remember him from his first run in the UFC. He wasn't too impressive. He did go to a decision with Cecilia and Hobart, but lost those fights. Those guys are no longer in the UFC. I'm not expecting much from him in this fight, especially considering the short notice. And honestly, I feel like there's a massive gap in talent here. So, I mean, my 700, it's not like I'm going on a limb here. But, yeah, I do like Jack Shore. I think he finishes this fight for sure. Is it submission or, or uh, TKO? I don't really know. But either way, I do like Jack Shore here. And the line on him finishing the fight inside the distance is, uh, what is it? Minus 235. Like, that's a lot better than minus 700. Maybe Phillips goes the distance. He hasn't been finished except for that injury. So maybe he can tough it out. I doubt it, Cole, honestly. I think Shore is going to finish it probably pretty early, too. That's, uh, I think that's a pretty easy pick, honestly. This is kind of a gamey fight. All right, next up we have... A women's flyweight belt between Deanna Belbita and Liliana Judia. Judia, that's a tough name to pronounce. Right now we have Belbita minus one sixty-five, Judia plus one forty-five. Give me your pickle. Yeah, this is a tough fight call. Both zero and one in the UFC. They're both zero and one in the UFC. Uh, Judia did not look good. Lost to uh, Sarah Marais by stoppage at two forty-two, which I don't think Sarah Marais is UFC caliber. So for that reason, I'm fading Judia or Judia, whatever it is. I have to go with Belbita. She went the distance with Molly McCann. Molly McCann's on this card. She's on a really good winning streak. I'm high on Molly McCann. I think Belbita on the feed's better. I think she can grind out a decision win here. But this is more of a fade on Juja. I just don't – getting stopped by Sarah Marais, I don't think, is a very good loss at all. So I kind of have to fade her in this spot. I wouldn't bet on this fight. I'll tell you that right now. Like two women that are just on the periphery of this flyweight division. I don't really know what to expect from them in this fight. Juja, though, like, definitely getting finished by Sarah Morris is a terrible way to lose. Sarah Morris doesn't finish anyone. She barely wins her fights. So to get finished was uh, pretty disappointing. And her wins are over some really awful competition, Cole. Like, you look at the records of their, their opponents, 0-0, 0-0, 0-0, 1-3, 3 2-2, 2-2, 4-0. I guess that was an okay win, but I don't know, man. Belbita. I haven't been super impressed either. I mean, you look again, her level competition, Cole, 0-0, 1-2, 0-0, 0, -0, 0, -0, 0 -0. Look at who she beat to get in the UFC. I mean, this is embarrassing, honestly. Like, I understand they want to have women in the UFC. I love having women in the UFC. Can they please get some women that are actually beating some decent competition? Like, you beat three fighters that have no fights and you get in the UFC? That doesn't make any sense to me, Cole. Having said that, Belbita is training now in, in uh, Ontario, actually. She trains in Hamilton, man. So she's training with guys like uh, – she knows Kyle Nelson really well, who was supposed to fight a few weeks ago, trains with them uh, down there. So, yeah, I mean, she's, I think that moving to Canada is actually going to be a good benefit for her in this fight. And she does have some good experience. She beats uh, – she has not beat them, but she's fought fighters like Arian Lipsky. So she did lose that fight, but still she actually has that experience. But, again, when you see someone lose these – win these fights, Cole, by 0-0, 0-0, 0 like – that doesn't impress me at all, Cole. And I wasn't too impressed in the McCann fight. She did go the distance. I guess there's something to be said about that. But I'm not impressed by either of these two women, honestly. I'll take Balbita because she does have more experience. But I'm not betting on this fight, Cole. 
Turn up, inmate. Gentlemen, what's up? What's going on, man? He says, I think Juju gets a sub. W a sub by Lipsky. And that's not very good because Lipsky, <laughs> she hasn't looked good in the UFC at all. Yeah, it's possible. Juju does have a ground game. But, again, turn up, inmate. Look at the records of both these girls' opponents. Like, cool. It's it just oh, blows my mind. Oh, there's yeah. so many better girls in Invicta that why don't you sign them? I agree. And I get they want to sign some European talent. I understand that. But, come on. Like, there's got to be a threshold to get into the UFC. At this point, I feel like they're taking anyone. It's, again, it's the only show in town. You know, I, I don't need to rant about this too much, but I don't know. Looking at someone's record, like, it's like you, Cole. It's like Cole Sheldon beats three no opponents against the UFC. Like, come on. It doesn't make sense to me. All right, so I'll take Balbita. Cole will take Balbita. Next fight, this fight had a fighter miss weight. Chris Fishgold miss weight came in at 149. So, miss weight pretty bad. I'm assuming he won't weigh in again. That's a pretty bad miss. He takes on Jared Gordon here. Uh, one of the closer line fights in this card, Cole. Gordon, minus 145. His goal, plus 125. I should mention that Gordon will have his teammate, Paul Felder, or a former teammate, I guess, right? Or they, No, they're still training at Duke Rufus' camp, right? So No, Gordon's at Sanford in Florida now. Okay, so he moved his camp. Okay, so fair enough. But, yeah, they're good friends, obviously. They used to train together. So he has him in his corner, and that's a benefit for sure. But uh, give me your thoughts on this one, Cole. Yeah, this fight's interesting. Jared Gordon... Yeah, if you would have told me one fighter missed weight on this fight, I would have said it's Jared Gordon. He's making he attempt to go down to featherweight since I think his last fight in CFFC. Because ever since he's been in the UFC, it's been catchweights or lightweight fight. But Fishgold missed weight, which obviously is concerning. But I still have to pick Chris Fishgold here. Jared Gordon just I'm a huge Jared Gordon fan. Like his story is really impressive, coming over addiction and just really. He's very vocal about it, just trying to help other people uh, get over addiction. But it just, he's getting knocked out a lot lately. And I know Fishgold doesn't have a lot of power, but neither does uh, Hokeem Silva, who knocked him out. Charles Oliveira is not known as a knockout artist. He knocked him out cold. Diga Ferreira knocked him out. And like his UFC wins aren't over UFC caliber guys. He beat Hakron Diaz, Michael Quinones, and Dan Moret. I don't actually know if any of them are even in the UFC. So Chris Fishgold. His losses, Macron Miracani and Calvin Cater in the UFC, that's not bad. It's a fight where I think Fishgold's better on the ground, where I think he might be able to submit Gordon. But even on the feet, I think he can hurt Jared Gordon. I don't know if this fight's going to end in stoppage. I think it could be a late finish, like a late TKO or a late submission. But I have to go with the underdog, Chris Fishgold, here. Yeah, this is a tough fight to call, honestly. Like Both guys, cool, not very impressive in the UFC. I feel like this card is almost one of those cards where they're going to cut a bunch of people afterwards. This is like they're filtering out guys at the bottom of the, of the UFC roster right now. Jared Gordon, like you said, great story. Definitely uh, got to give it to the guy, man. He beats uh, heroin addiction and made to the UFC. So very impressive. But yeah, I mean, I haven't been too impressed. He, he does have a 3-3 three three record, though. So we got to point that out, Cole. But the last three of the last four fights have ended by him getting knocked out in brutal fashion. Um, he can grind guys out, though. I kind of feel like that's what's going to happen here. Fish Gold. He has a good ground game, so if Gordon takes him to the ground, he's got to be really careful because Fishgold could definitely submit him. But I, I kind of feel like Gordon can just kind of push the pace a little bit here and win a decision call. But I'm not betting on this fight, man, especially after the weight miss. No way. And turned up MMA like uh, Chris Fishgold. Fair enough. I personally couldn't bet on this fight. I don't feel confident at all in either guy, and I wouldn't want to put my heart on money in either guy. So my pick's Jared Gordon by decision. I'm not, I'm not betting on this fight at all. All right, next fight is a... Light heavyweight bout between one of the few Greeks who have ever graced the octagon, Andres Michalides, taking on Modestus Bakalkis. Both guys making their official UFC debuts here. Uh, right now we have Bakalkis minus 210, Michalides plus 175. Can you pick, Cole? 
I'm going Bukowskis, and I'm going by stoppage. His, every single win except for his professional debut is ended by stoppage. He has some submission wins, has knockout power. I think no matter where this fight goes, he's going to be the better fighter. Mikolaitis does have some uh, good like performances. He fought in Bellator. He's fought in Fight Night Global. He's been around. He's fought in Abu Dhabi against Jan Pascu in 2016, who's a Bellator vet, and he actually beat him. So he has some solid wins. I think he's a guy that deserves to be in the UFC, even though it is short notice, but I'm really high in Bukowskis. Kajor's champion had was knocking out everyone in Kajor's. He's gone. He's been four rounds before. Like he's knocked people out in Kajor's in the fourth round. He has the card. He'd only go three rounds. I think he'll be able to push the pace. And I think he'll be able to TKO McLeodis, probably second or third round. Yeah, this is an interesting fight. Both guys, I think they deserve a chance in the UFC. They've been around for a while. I don't think this fight goes the distance. The line on that's minus 300, but I don't think this fight's going the distance. I think someone for sure gets knocked out in this fight. I watched tape on both guys. Honestly, I wasn't too impressed, though. Like, I think they're UFC caliber, but barely, you know? Like, they're at the bottom end of this division right now. But Kalkis, he does have a bunch of wins, Cole, but if you watch those fights, some of them he was getting beaten in those fights and came back to win. So there's one thing we said about that, obviously, is cardio. You can come back late in the fights and win, but if he steps up in competition, I'm a little bit worried about this guy. Mikolaitis, I don't know. I, again, I watched his fight, too, against Marcel Fortuna. He did get the win in that fight, but if you watch it, I mean, it was kind of a weird kick that didn't even really hurt the guy and the guy just fell down it was really strange uh he obviously has some experience too so again you know i i'm not convinced these guys are going to make a run for the belt but i do think they can maybe beat some guys in the bottom of the 205 pound division i think this fight's close i think you could definitely take the, the shot of the dog in this one if you want to but i'm going to take bukaukis because he does have that nice long winning streak right now but i'm telling you guys like if you really look closer in him he's got a lot of holes in his game so i'd be careful about this dude but i do slightly favorable in this fight probably by tko like i said all right next up we have this is an interesting fight here called featherweight belt between ricardo ramos and leon murphy interesting fight here ramos minus 160 murphy plus 140 who's your pick i like ricardo ramos here i'm really high on ricardo ramos is that ufc lost to satan magrado not a bad loss Saint's really good has some good wins beat journey newson uh knocked out as uh, i mean zahavi beat kung ho kang his last fight he beat an undefeated guy who I think he was stepping in on short notice, I'm pretty sure. But Leon Rufi, he impressed me. Going to draw against Zubaira Tukov in his UFC debut, that's not a bad fight. Like, Tukov had a lot of hype behind him. He has some okay wins, but like some of the guys he beat, like 7-39, and 39, he beat one guy, which is just kind of funny. Yeah. I think this fight's going to go the distance. Of the, I can't see any of them edging it out. And I just think Ramos has that kind of point-fighting style where you can just uh, edge out Murphy on points here. I like this fight a lot, actually. I think this is one of the more like underrated fights in the card going in, so I'm excited for it. Both guys are impressive, man. Ramos has been really good in the UFC. He's five and two, five and one in the UFC. Actually, he's been super impressive, man. He's had some great performances, like the spinning back elbow against Eamon Zahabi on the GSP Bisping card. That was incredible. Uh, has some other good wins, like Tanaka Kang. Those are good wins, man. Last fight against Garagori. That guy's not that great by any means, but he's still. Did a really impressive job in that fight, getting the performance and night bonus. So he's been impressive me, man. But uh, Murphy, undefeated, coming off that draw with Tuhulov, a lot of people didn't even expect him to be that competitive in that fight, Cole. He nearly won the fight. That was, to me, was impressive, man. So this is a tough fight to call. Both guys are impressive. Uh, it's, it, I hate betting uh, against e either of these guys in this spot, but I think the fight's super close. I want to take Leon Murphy in this fight. I think it's a pick -up fight, and I think a plus 140 – I want to take a shot on him as the underdog, and I see the turn up on me. He also likes Murphy by KO. Maybe. I mean, it's possible. It could be a decision, too, though. Um, 
Ramos has been finished, obviously, by uh, Sadie Nurago Meetup and Manny Vasquez, although that was by submission. But uh, yeah, Murphy's got power. He could finish him, but I'm kind of leaning a little bit towards the fight going the distance, Cole, but we'll see what happens here. It could be a finish for sure. Great fight, though. I really like this matchup a lot. All right, uh, next up on the prelims, last preliminary fight here. John Phillips against Kamzat Kameyev. And right now we have Kameyev minus 335, Phillips plus 275. Who's your pick? I don't get the odds for this fight. Like, I know Phillips hasn't been too impressive in UFC, but this is Kameyev's UFC debut. Some of the guys he's beat, he doesn't have any real notable wins. He's been fighting in Brave. He does finish all his fights, but, like, I kind of just have to go with John Phillips just because of the odds. Like, he has that quick knock going over Allen and Dawski's last fight, saved his UFC job. He has a lot of knock of power. I think the UFC experience, he has a split against Jack Martian, where I think a lot of people thought he won the fight. He did get finished, submitted against Kevin Holm and Charles Bird, so obviously he can get submitted, but I don't think Chiamev can take him down to the ground. I think this is a stand-up fight, and I think this fight, someone's going to get knocked out, and at these odds, I just like Phillips' power, especially at these odds, I think he can connect on Chimiev and get a knockout. That's a big underdog pick there, Cole. You know, I respect that, man, for sure. I'll be honest, though. I got Chimiev in this fight. I watched tape on this guy. He's pretty impressive, man. He's kind of like an animal. Like, he just goes forward, and he's got relentless pressure, and he's finished all his fights. I've been really impressed by this guy, undefeated, obviously. But that doesn't have much experience. Only six fights. Only been fighting for two years. So that's something to keep in mind here. It's John Phillips, who has 31 fights. He's an older dude. He's 35, but... He showed in that last fight with Amadovsky, man. If he connects, he can knock anyone out. That was a really nasty knockout. Having said that, Cole, the three fights before that, losing all those fights, I wasn't too impressed, man. And uh, this is a guy with nine losses in his career. So the blueprint's there to uh, to beat this guy. And I think he does lose this fight. I like him in this fight. I think he gets the uh, job done with a stoppage, probably by TKO, maybe submission. But the odds are high. I mean, that's for sure. I'm with Turn Up MMA. He says Kimiev's a lock. I don't know. Like, I agree he should win, but... I'm with Cole in that the odds seem a little high. Like, if I'm doing a parlay, I'm sure people are going to throw him in there. But you got to think about it a little bit more. I definitely would recommend watching tape on both these guys. But uh, I was impressed by what I saw. i got to be honest. All right, next up, we have the main card. And the first round of the main card, which I think should have been the co-main event, but whatever. It's Abdul Razak Al-Hassan against Munar Lazez. Now, we've got to mention that Al-Hassan has all fought in two years. And not only that, he missed weight this morning. He came in at 174. So he missed weight by four pounds. Who knows how that's going to play out, but right now the odds for this fight have Abdul Razak Al-Hassan minus 310, Munar Lazez plus 255, and it looks like the odds have kind of been fluctuating this morning since that weight uh, miss, but we'll see what happens there. Who's your pick, Cole? Oh, I can already say this fight's not going the distance, but Lazez has a lot of finishes, but you have to, I think you kind of have to go Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. I know he hasn't been fought in two years, but good gym in Florida, main training corner, Jeff Neal and Uriah Hall works with Ryan Spann a lot. And like before he had a, where he was accused of the rape and obviously was not guilty. Look who he beat. Two knock wins over uh, Sabah Hamasi. His only loss is a split against Omari Edmekov, who's now a middleweight. And he knocked out Nico Price at 43 seconds. Nico Price can take his shot. So to knock him out in 43 seconds is really impressive. And with Lazez, like just look at who he's beat. He's like his last couple wins is 10-9-1, 4-1, 4-0. He's 3-1, 6-4, 3-0, 0-1, 0-7. It's not the quality of opponents Al Hassan has. I think Al Hassan could be the hardest hitter at welterweight. I think he's going to connect early and knock out Lazez in the first round. Yeah, so this is an interesting fight because obviously Al Hassan is a really highly touted 
I wouldn't even say prospect, Cole. He's 34 years old. He's not a prospect by any means. But the guy's super highly touted. I've been impressed with him. Like you said, Cole, look at the training camp. He's training with great fighters. Before the uh, two-year layoff due to – by the way, it was, he was not guilty of the rape accusations. And you should check out my article on BJ Penn from yesterday, Cole. I don't know if you saw that, but he said you know, he was livid and he wanted revenge. He wants revenge on these, on these women for what they did to him because he missed two years of the prime of his career from 32 to 34, Cole, because of this. So I do feel bad for the dude. I mean, this happens, unfortunately, where – you do get uh, people lying about these kind of things. So it's unfortunate this happened to this guy. But I think he can come back with a vengeance, man. And I think that he can do really well in his return. I've been super impressed by him. He's got 10 wins in his career, all 10 by knockout. The one loss to Akhmedov, like you said, split decision. That's a fight he kind of gassed out in. And also, Akhmedov's a, a really big dude, by the way. So, I mean, that was a kind of a tough fight when you look back at it. Um, but, yeah, the I mean, Nico Price fight, Cole. I thought for sure Price was going to win that one, man. And he went out there and knocked him out. So I was super impressed. Now, Lazez. Not impressed, man. I watched the tape on this guy. I'm not impressed at all, honestly. I know he had some nice wins, like he got a couple of head kicks and stuff, but I don't know. There's just I didn't see what I wanted to see out of him from all the hype that I heard about him. I watched it myself. I thought, you know, hey, this guy can beat some guys in the bottom of this division. He's not beating Abdul Zach Ellis said. I think this guy is one of the few like uh, locks on the card. I'm pretty sure Alistair finishes him like the first couple of minutes of this fight. I definitely like Alistair to win this fight, Cole. Uh, I'd be very surprised if Lazez can stand with him, man. I know he's got a lot of knockouts on his record, guys, but I encourage you to watch the tape and see what, for yourself what you think about him. Turn up, I mean, does like Lazez. I mean, the odds are high, obviously, but I just haven't been impressed. And Daniel Edwards likes him, too. I don't know. My buddy Steve here. Hey, Steve, what's up, man? We'll see what happens. He says, I do over Zach Alistair. He's one-dimensional. I mean, Cole, isn't he a judo background? Like, doesn't Yeah, and Lazez's ground game is non-existent. It's, yeah, it's, it's not there. We'll see. I mean, the guy has not a lot of knockouts, so I've seen him finish guys. But some of the fights, I'm telling you guys, like if you watch them, it's it's not as good as it seems on paper. That and that goes for a lot of fighters. You know, when you don't know them coming into the UFC, if you go back and watch the fights, you see a you know knocker on the record. But sometimes these guys are getting tooled before they come back and win. And it's like, okay, can he really stand and trade with a guy like Al Hassan? I don't think so, Cole. I really don't think so. Having said that. The weight miss does bother me a little bit. I got to be honest, Cole. I, I don't know what that's about. Maybe the long layoff, maybe the long flight over. Who knows? But uh, I think he wins. Daniel Edwards, I don't like Lizette's impressed by his composure. I agree with that. I saw his interview, and uh, the guy seemed cool, and he said that uh, Dana White had been giving like tape of him at some point, and uh, he really liked him. So, yeah, I mean, there's some things to like about this guy. I, I think this is just a brutal debut for him, quite frankly. I, I think this is such a like, – I remember when this fight was announced, Cole, I messaged you, and I'm like, really? Like – this is the guy they're giving Al Hassan. I thought for sure he'd get a like a top 15 guy, like the bottom end of the top 15. If he wins this fight, they got to fast track him because, again, he's 34 now. He's got to make a run for the title now if he wants to do it. Like, I'd love to see if he, if he wins this fight, I'd love to see him fight someone like Robbie Lawler. That'd be a great fighter. I don't know if Lawler takes that fight, but it'd be a fun fight. Or even like Ponzinibbio, it'd be a fun fight too. We'll see what happens. All right, next up, we have a uh, women's flyweight belt between Molly McCann and Taylor Santos. Santos did make weight. She was like one of the last people to weigh in, but she made it. Uh, right now we have McCann, minus 125, Santos, plus 105. Cole, who's your pick? Again, I think, don't really get the odds because I think Molly McCann should be a much bigger favorite than this. Like, I'm not impressed by Talia Santos. She lost to, in a UFC debut to Maria Romero-Barella, who I don't think is UFC caliber. That is a bad loss to me. She, again, like her record, she beat one girl in the contender series, seven and one. Other than that, 0 and one, 0 and one, three and one, 0 and 0, 0 and one, 0 and 0, 0 and 0, 0 and one, 1, 3 and one. She's beat a lot of girls that don't even have any wins. Most of her wins are against people that are like 0 and one, 
one and two, one and three. She just hasn't fought the level of competition. Molly McCann has. Molly McCann lost UFC debut submission to Jillian Robertson. Not a bad loss. You know how good Robertson is. And since then, beat Priscilla Cachoeira, beat Ariane Lipsky, who had a lot of hype, beat Belbita. She doesn't have massive wins, but I just think on the feet, she's much better than Santos to be able to pick apart Santos. I don't think she'll be able to get a finish. She doesn't finish many of her fights. It's a lot of decisions. So I think she'll just edge out Santos in a decision. I wouldn't be surprised if it's like a 30 27 either. Yeah, and the over two and a half is minus 345. So definitely a good chance that happens, I think, in this fight. Not much finishing ability between the both fighters, I don't think, especially in this matchup. Definitely see it being like a point fight. And uh, I kind of agree with you on this one. I like Molly McCain too. She's been impressive, man. Four, three straight wins. And, uh, the, you know, Lipsky win was a really good win, I thought. She obviously lost in Robertson, but Robertson's a beast, especially on the ground. So to me, like, she's been pretty impressive in the UFC so far. Santos, she had the one fight. She didn't look too great in that fight. Losing in Barola, I mean, that's a bad loss, in my opinion. That's not a fire that's UFC caliber. Having said that, undefeated before that, a lot of knockouts and stuff in Brazil. So maybe there is something to this line because it's changed quite a bit, Cole. It opened at minus. Uh, one of the books opened her at minus 300, Molly McCann. So the line shifted quite a bit. I'm not sure why. Maybe someone sees something that we don't call because clearly people are putting money on Santos. But I do like McCann quite a bit. Edward says Molly's a lock to me. Santos doesn't throw it off. I like, I mean, I'm never going to say a fighter's a lock. It's such a crazy word to use in MMA, man. Whenever you say it, just jinx it. Someone gets KO with one punch. But I like McCann too. Turn up MMA says I like McCann. I think if you're looking at a straight bet, I think she's someone to look at because at minus 125, like it's straight bet territory. That's what I would consider for this fight. I think she wins. I, I think she wins the decision here. All right. This fight's pretty interesting, Cole. A bantamweight belt at featherweight between Cody Stamen and Jimmy Rivera. This fight's at 145. So both guys didn't have to cut as much weight. I think this could have been the co-main event too, in my opinion. This is one of the best fights in the card. Right now we have Jimmy Rivera at minus 140, Cody Stamen plus 120. Great fight, Cole. Give me your pick. Yeah, it's interesting how this fight came together when Munoz fell off of this card against Edgar. Both of them put their name in their hat or put their name in the ring to fight Edgar. Stamen said, I'll do it at 145 just because it's short notice to fly. And then the UFC goes, well, this fight's off. We got to get a fight together. So they just put them together. Short notice. I'm not surprised at 145. Stamen fought Keller at 145. He's already said if he's taking these short notice fights, like UFC 250 was a short notice fight. He's not cutting to 35. I like the underdog Cody Stamen here. Jimmy Rivera has not fought in a year since he lost to Peter Yan. Before that, lost to Aljamain Sterling. He's 1-3 in three in his last four fights. His only one, John Dodson. Knocked out to Marlon Rice. He had a lot of... He, has some, like, he was a guy that I think if he beat Marlon Rice was getting that title shot. Like He was on a long winning streak in the UFC. Beat Marcus Bramage, Pedro Munoz. He had a win over Uri Favor. Thomas Almeida. Like He had some good wins, but lately he just hasn't looked like himself. I don't know what's happened. I just think Cody Stamen, fresh off beating Brian Kelleher, I think he beat Yudong Song, beat Alejandro Perez, lost to Alvin Chilling, which again, not a bad loss. I just think it's going to be his wrestling, which is going to be the difference. I think he's going to be able to out-wrestle Jimmy Rivera. I think on the feet too, he has he's really good striking defense. Like that Keller fight, he made Kelleher miss a lot. I think he can make Rivera miss a lot too. Again, Stamen doesn't finish his fight, so I think I have to go Cody Stamen by decision here. Yeah, this fight's quite a decision, and the odds on that, minus 370 over two and a half. So at that point, you might as well take a look at the under, but I don't think there's going to be a finisher. I, I do favor going the distance. Who do I favor in the fight? I kind of lean towards Stamen as well because of the activity. He's been way more active lately. Uh, since Jimmy's last fight, he's had two fights against Yodong and Kelleher. He's looked pretty good in those fights. Probably should have beat Yodong. 
this guy's been impressive, man. He's got some good wins. Caraway was a good win. Perez was a good win. He obviously lost to Sterling, but no shame in that. Uh, Rivera is another guy who's really talented, though, man. You can't count Rivera out of this fight by any means. I mean, he, he's got really good striking, and he's got incredible takedown defense. Like, one of the highest takedown defenses in MMA. I think you're kind of uh, underestimating his takedown defense, Cole, by saying Steeman's going to wrestle him. I kind of feel like Steeman's going to have to mix in the wrestling with striking to win this fight. He can't just take Rivera down. He can't rely on that because Rivera's very hard to take down. Having said that, the long layoff really worries me here. Year and a half layoff um, that bothers me. And he's coming off two straight losses. Of course, they are to Sterling and Yang. He's losing the best guys in the division. So I don't know. It's a tough fight to call. I just have a feeling Stamen's going to win. Am I betting on it? I don't know. Because stylistically, if Rivera keeps his fight in the feet, which I think he probably does, he could outstrike Cody Stamen. But I just like the improvement Stamen's made, man. I've been impressed by this guy. He's fighting for a lot right now. He's got a lot in his mind, and I think he's going to come in here and have a good performance. But, you know, especially with the – basically this fight was booked on two weeks and it was cool. It makes it kind of like up in the air a little bit. Well, so we'll see what happens. But I, I do favor Stamen as an underdog. I think the fight should be at Pick'em. And I think at plus 120, there's a little bit of value there in turn up and like Stamen as well. So we're agreements to him a lot today. All right. Co-main event time, Cole. Tim Elliott against Brian Benoit. Kind of a weird co-main event. I, they really like Tim Elliott. UFC gave him a new contract. They give him fight of the night like almost every fight, it seems like. He's an exciting guy, but I don't know. He's not that consistent. Uh, neither is Benoit. Um, Elliott right now, minus 125. Benoit, plus 105. Who's your pick? Yeah, I think these odds are right where you need them to be. I like Tim Elliott in this fight. I'm just not impressing Ryan Benoit. Tim Elliott, I know, is on a three-fight losing streak, but lost to Davidson Figueredo, Askar Askarov, Brandon Royval. I think the Royval fight, he probably should have won. I think that's one he wants back. The Figueredo fight, you can't be mad at that. Askar Askarov, I think it's going to be a top three guy, top five guy, Flowey for a long time. Ryan Benoit lost uh, uh, Healy Alatang, which I'm not impressed with. And then that was his first fight in two years. I just don't, doesn't fight enough. I just think Elliot's wrestling and kind of funky movement will just frustrate Benoit. I think Elliot can maybe get a stoppage win, like maybe just out-wrestle like ground pound or submit Benoit, but I think Tim Elliott wins this fight. Yeah, you look at Benoit's takedown defense, and it says 64%, which is not very good, but like, if you look even closer, like, he got taken down this last fight by Alatang four times. He got taken down by Brandon Mario five times. Freddie Serrano took him down five times. Tim Elliott takes down everyone. Now, he can always get choked out. That's the problem with Tim Elliott, man. His submission defense is terrible, Cole. It's really bad. He's been choked out in many of his fights. So that worries me, man, because if the fight goes to the ground, he could definitely get submitted, even though Benoit's not a submission guy by any means. I feel like anyone can catch Tim Elliott with a choke. I got to go with Tim Elliott, though, and the reason is the wrestling, and the reason is the pace, and the reason is the activity. Benoit barely fights anymore. He does have KO power, which is rare for a guy at this weight class, Cole, but Elliott's got a good chin. Elliott mostly loses by submission. Benoit's not really a submission guy. He could catch him in the guillotine like anyone in this division could, but the odds are against it, in my opinion. I do like Tim Elliott in this fight. It's one of those ones where I personally am considering a straight bet on it, but I'm a little bit worried too as well, just because of the three straight losses, quite frankly. This is not really a guy you want to put too much faith in. Um, I like to bet on people that are winners. I'm not saying Tim Elliott's a bad fighter, but his record in the UFC is not even 500 cool. So it's definitely risky to uh, to bet him on him in general. But stylistically and with the long layoffs for Benoit and everything like that, i got to favor Tim Elliott in this fight to win a decision probably. All right, time for the main event of the evening. And this is obviously the best fight in the card. Great fight in the featherweight division. The winner of this fight for sure will definitely uh, be close to getting that 
upper echelon opponent. Right now, we have Calvin Cater as a huge minus 280 favorite. Danny Gay plus 240. Cole, who's your pick? I don't love the odds, but I have to go with Calvin Cater. I think there's a lot of debt. Like, people undervalue Danny Gay. Danny Gay's wrestling is some really impressive. We haven't seen, like, Cater keeps all the fights standing, or a lot of people don't shoot on him. So it's going to be interesting. I. I talked to both them. Ige flew out Aaron Pico for this camp, who we know how good Aaron Pico's wrestling is. So I wouldn't be surprised if Ige's whole game plan is to just wrestle, try to grind out Kelvin Cater. Both guys, I think, are five-round fighters. I think both of them will be better in five rounds. We saw the Kelvin Cater fight against Sabi. I think that was a five-round fight. A lot of people thought Cater would have won that because he won the, the last half of the second round, easily won the third round, saw Sabi start to fade. He is a guy that doesn't look tired after three rounds. I think this fight's going to go into the championship rounds, but I think Calvin Cater will be able to finish Danny Ige. We saw Barboza drop him. Calvin Cater knocks out everyone. He knocked out Shane Burgos, which is a massive win considering Burgos took Emmett's punches and, and Emmett couldn't finish them. Knocked out Chris Fishgold. Knocked out Ricardo Lamas in the first round. That massive elbow went over Jeremy Stevens. I'm really high on Calvin Cater here. I think he could connect on Ige probably third, fourth round and get a TKO in. Yeah, I like Calvin Cater too, man. I think he finishes Danny Gay for sure in five rounds. Like that's a lot of time to be in the ring with, or the cage with Calvin Cater. He is one of the best boxers, if not the best boxer in this division. He's an incredible striker. So much power in his hands, man. And he's getting better, even though he's thirty-two. Cole, he's been around forever. By the way, he used to fight in the Elite XC back in two thousand seven. So he's been around forever, man. He's getting better still, which I love. And you look at his record in the UFC, Cole. It's only five and two, but. He's got great wins in that time. Stevens, Lamas, Burgos, Feely. Those are four top 15 guys. Like, those are great wins. The losses, obviously, is a beat. By the way, that is a beat fight. It was three rounds. If that fight was five rounds, Cater would have won that fight for sure. He came on so strong in that third round, he would have won that fight. I am worried about Zabit, by the way, going forward in five round fights. Uh, Renato, Renato Macano, he, he lost to him. That was kind of a few years ago. And I think that he. And, and that was when Macano was at the. Yeah. That was when he was. The best. I think that was the best Wakano probably right around then. I agree. Mikhail's kind of declined since then a little bit. His chin's not that great either. But uh, yeah, Cater's just impressive, man. Having said that, Cole, I've been riding Dan Ige for like the last bunch of fights, man. I had him against Barboza. I had him in, against Bactage. He's been a dog in a lot of these fights. I've been picking him. He's been winning. It's been impressive. But some of these fights are very close and he grinds guys out. I can't see him really grinding out Calvin Cater, man. I think Cater can defend any takedowns that Ige throws his way. And on the feet, anyone can get KO'd in MMA. I don't see Calvin Cater being knocked out by Danny Ige. He doesn't really have knockout power. Um, I think that's much more likely that Danny Ige suffers the first knockout loss of his career here in five rounds. So Calvin Cater by TKO, maybe like third, fourth round, something like that. Maybe an early, maybe second round. I don't know. I, I think he knocks him up for sure, though. Odds on that happening, Cater by TKO is minus 105. So... You know, it's an interesting spot, but I, I think that's his path to victory here, man. I can't see him wanting to go to the ground. So, you know, you look at the odds at the money line, minus 280. He could win a decision, too. I, I should mention that. I mean, Ige hasn't been finished, Cole, so it's possible this fight could go the full five. I like I like Cater quite a bit here. Every win for Calvin Cater in the UFC has been by stoppage. So No, that's not true. Um, Feely was. Feely was. Uh, it's past four, sorry. Yes, I agree. Yes, that's true. But uh, we should remember, Cole, before the four knockouts in a row, he had won like 10 straight decisions. So he, it, it could go the full five. I, I doubt it, though. Let's see what Steve says. Only way I see Ige wins if he implements an Usman game plan, grinds against the fence. I can't see that happening either. I think Cater's stronger, too, or if yeah. he'll be able to reverse Ige if they're on the fence. Yeah, I mean, I don't think this one, you have to overthink it too much. 
I, I like Danny Gay. He's an underrated guy. You know, people don't respect him enough, don't give him enough credit. But, again, you look at the stats here, Cole, Calvin Cater's takedown defense, 77%. And you look at who's taking him down. Uh, well, Chris Fishgold did take him down once. I don't remember that, but you knocked him out afterwards. And then, obviously, Zippy took him down once. That's it. That's the only guys I'm taking him down. He has mostly fought strikers, though, so that's an interesting spot for uh, Dan Ige. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I, th- I think he gets I think he gets finished in this fight. And I hate to say it because I like Dan Ige. He's underrated, but, you know, you got to pick a winner here, Cole. And I'm sure Ali won't like that when he hears us talk about this, but uh, let's not tell him we said that. And that's it, guys. So for this uh, – for this preview, if you guys have any more comments about this card, send them in there right now. But I want to talk about UFC 251 just briefly with Cole. I talked about this with Steve Jeffrey on Sunday night, so we already recap this card. But I haven't had a chance to talk about it with uh, Cole here. So let's just go through it really quickly, Cole. For Usman, obviously getting that win, uh, it was a nice win for him on paper, but not the most impressive performance. But here's the thing. They sold 1.3 million pay-per-views, Cole. So they did great. Even though it was a boring fight, UFC killed it. Masvidal's star power is risen. I don't know if you saw this. His followers on Instagram and Twitter went way up, even though he lost the fight. Usman, obviously, people were kind of down on him for some reason. I don't know why. I'm up on him now after this fight because I think it's impressive to beat Masvidal the way he did. But uh, it doesn't matter, man, whatever happened in the fight. It doesn't matter how boring it was. I know people were disappointed. In fact, it did 1.3 million pay-per-views. Cool. That says a lot, right? Now, would you be surprised if they run it back and give Masvidal full camp after seeing no. how big it is? I don't think so. I, if anything, I've already talked about this, man. They got to do Maswell Connor because right now Maswell is probably the second biggest draw in the UFC, which is crazy because I was never high on him, Cole, ever. I was never, I remember him back in Strike Force, Shark fights. I was like, this guy's not a great Bellator, Bulldog fight. He's just a guy who's improved over the years. So I got to, you know, give it up to Maswell. Uh, but Usman definitely won that fight. And here's uh, Marcus asked about the aerial beef. Yeah. Okay. So we got to talk about that. Um, First off, as far as Usman goes, I think Burns probably should be next. Burns yeah. had the shot. He lost it because he got sick from COVID-19. It's kind of like shitty if they took it away from him, Cole, because he got sick from something that's infecting a lot of people over the world. That would suck. So to me, if he tests negative and he's good to go, I think you got to make that fight. I don't know when. I'm assuming like November, December maybe. I really don't know when, but I'm assuming Usman probably wants some time off after this fight. Yeah, Usman's a guy that normally only fights twice a year, so I think it's probably – I wouldn't be surprised if he headlines that December pay-per-view, and he's probably just going to follow that December, June, July schedule. Yeah, it could be. But as far as the beef goes, we got to talk about this. So Ariel and Gilbert Burns slash Ali because I don't – I think Burns is running his own tweets. I think. Yeah, he runs his own Twitter. I know Ali has – everyone he can do it but i know gilbert burns does his own twitter obviously ali does run a couple guys he run, i think he used to run frankie's i don't know if he does anymore he definitely used to run frankie's and uh um habib i think runs his own as well but there's a couple of guys cool uh mariah he, he definitely yeah. runs mariah's account uh, i think zabit probably runs his account so I, go ahead i think cody he does too which i'm uh, i don't know lately cody's cody's trash talking is not that great so maybe it is ali but uh as far as this beef goes, it's interesting. So Ariel obviously is one of the top reporters in the sport, uh, but he doesn't really have access right now to Ali's guys. The I don't know what the whole story is, but there's definitely some beef between Ali and Ariel. And uh, basically Ariel was saying yesterday and on his podcast or whatever that Gilbert Burns should not get a title shot. He has to go through Leon Edwards first, which – it, I guess it makes some sense, but I don't think so because I love Ed. By the way, I love Edwards. I I think I've been on every fight he's been in the UFC, but he hasn't fought in a year. His last one was RDA. Since then, 
Burns has won four straight fights since he's last fought, Cole. Burns has better wins. Woodley's a better win. Damian Maya's a better win. So for me, it's definitely... Uh, and he dominated Gunnar Nelson and Edwards had a split over Gunnar Nelson. He still won the fight, but yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, so to me, Burns doesn't have to do anything more to get this shot. So Ariel going out there and basically going on this campaign to give Leon Edwards more respect, it's kind of bizarre in my opinion, Cole. i got to be honest. It's a little weird. Uh, and clearly there's something going on behind the scenes between Ali and Ariel. So don't know the whole story, but we got to talk about this because Marcus sent me an email question about it. Uh, ESPN has been banned, and same with TSN by Ali. He says that their fighters will no longer be able to be interviewed by ESPN and TSN. Now, I wrote the article for BJ Penn yesterday, Cole, and I said in the article, it'll be interesting to see how this works contractually because obviously ESPN has the rights to the UFC broadcast. And as part of those rights, I'm sure they have interview rights with those guys during fight week at the events. But outside of fight week, like right now, if you called Ali and were like, hey, can I interview him? Or Ariel called him. He doesn't have to grant you access to those fighters. You know, during fight week, yes. But outside of that, no. I think it hurts the fighters, if anything, because ESPN is the biggest platform. TSN is a big platform. I'm not really sure where TSN got dragged into this. I, I know they're basically ESPN's Canadian affiliate, but... Aaron and, and uh, Robin are, are solid dudes. Like, they're really good guys. I'm not really sure what they did wrong to Ali. I'm a, I guess he's just lumping them in because TSN's affiliated with ESPN. But, you know, Ali even said, this has nothing to do with Brad Okamoto, has nothing to do with Mark Raimondi or uh, Jeff Wagenheim. This is all me and Ariel. So it's basically him and Ariel having this beef. And because of that, their fighters will no longer be able to be interviewed. So what are your thoughts on this, man? Because it's kind of crazy. It's not surprising. I haven't dealt with Ali for a while. It's that's what he's like behind the scenes. He blocks a lot of interview requests. Like if I don't think people realize what he's like to deal with behind the scenes. He's and a lot of his fighters, what he gets mad at is a lot of fighters just do interviews without you don't need permission. And he's starting to control it where he wants every single fighter, even fighters in like the PFL to get Ali's permission, which doesn't make sense because if you're a fighter in PFL or Bellator with no fights going on, shouldn't you want to be interviewed so your name's out there and now a lot of people can't because Ali doesn't like a lot of people and blocks interviews. Like there's, I know a lot of other people that are blocked from Ali that people don't know about. It's he just, if you say one thing or pick against his fighter or do something, he just gets mad and he blocks you for months. And then all of a sudden he acts like he's your best friend again, offers you all these interviews and you don't even know what you did. So I'm not, I don't get why he's doing this. It hurts his fighters more than anything. ESPN's platform. If you look at their YouTube channel, they get hundreds of thousands of views on every interview. Like Kamaru Usman, and when he interviews Brett a lot, he gets a lot of it. Like people write stories off that. There's a lot of just articles. The views on the interviews is big. Now to take ESPN out of the picture, like who's going to interview him? Like MA Fighting, MA Junkie. Sure, they're big, but their reach isn't the same as ESPN, where people can see those interviews just going on ESPN's page where they're looking for like MLB or NFL, and then they go, oh, Usman did something. Let me see that. MA fighting is just the MA fans. Like you're not expanding that if you block those out. But contractually, like ESPN, TSN are the broadcast fighters. I think they could be mandatory fight week. And if Ali blocks it, the UFC can just find the fighters. And then now you're taking money out of the fighters' pocket because you have a grudge against Ariel. Like, why don't you just say Ariel can't interview my fighters? It it doesn't make sense to me at all. Yeah, it's bizarre. The whole thing is bizarre, man. But seriously, Ariel going against Ali and Burns is kind of weird to me, man. Him going back and forth with a fighter on Twitter is really weird to me. I That's something I would never do, Cole. And I know you wouldn't either. You know, if Burns said, you know, screw your mother, I'd understand. But Burns was just like, dude, why are you going after me saying I shouldn't get a title shot? Like, 
you're taking food out of the guy's pocket in a way. It's kind of weird, man. I got to be honest, cool. Anyways, uh, I got to talk about this. So UFC 251, the co-main event between Volkanovski and Holloway. I forgot how you scored this. Who do you have for Cole? I had him for Volkanovski. Mm-hmm. I had three, four, five. At th- I think round one, two were clear for Holloway. Round four and five were clear for Volkanovski. It comes down to that third round. I edged it to Volkanovski, but that was a fight where if Holloway won, I wouldn't have been surprised. If Volkanovski won, I wouldn't have been surprised. It was such a close fight, but I think this brings up the 10-point must system. I think something needs to change because Holloway won the first and second round more convincingly than Volkanovski won four and five, but they're still scored the same, which made Volkanovski win the fight. Yeah, that's that's the flaw in the 10-point must system because I'm pretty sure Holloway dropped Volk, if not once or twice, I'm not mistaken. I know at least once. Um, I had it for Holloway first three rounds. Uh, it's weird because most people had either, you know, the third round being the, the swing rounds, you had either guy winning that fight, depending on, and that would depend on your scorecard. But the judges, the actual judges had one and two for Max, three and four for Volkanovski, and five was the swing round, with Max getting the fifth round on one of the scorecards, which I thought was, was kind of weird. To me, it's the third round, but I, I thought Max won it, personally. Um, it, was, it was a competitive fight, but I did think he did enough to win. I did pick Volkanovski, so you know I'm fine with him winning, I guess, from that point of view. But to me, it's like I think a lot of people that, that did think he won the fight were also had money on him. And as someone who didn't have money on this fight, I was just impartial. I thought that Holloway actually won the fight, personally. Um, I got to talk about this, though. So <laughs> I got to talk about this, Cole. Um, yeah, on Sunday night, uh, Big John McCarthy made a tweet saying uh, that the referee in this case, Mark Collette, or the judge, I should say, Judge Mark Collette, he had a really rough night at the office, Cole. He scored this fight. For Volkanovski, which again, Big John McCarthy thought Max Holloway won. A lot of people did. Dave Diaz, Ori Maswell. Not that that matters, but I respect Big John's opinion a lot. He's the guy who wrote the rule book. So if he says Max won, I kind of got to go with that too, Cole. I don't think I can't remember a time where I've actually disagreed with when when uh, Big John does his like recaps with Josh Thompson, where he discusses the scorecards. I almost always agree with what Big John says as far as the score goes. So. In this case, he wrote something on Twitter saying that, uh, you know, the judge, Mark Collette, he had a rough night. He also scored that Jessica Andrade fight uh, in her favor, which to me, that was one of the easiest fights you could ever score. I think it was a clear one, two for Rose, three for Andrade. So rough night at the office for this guy, cool. Uh, also, the I think the Zaleski de Santos fight, if I'm not mistaken, he scored uh, for Salikov, I think, or was it maybe it was another fight. But either way, he had a rough night. Um, Big John wrote this tweet saying that, if the UFC wants, they can remove this guy from his role as a judge because uh, he had basically uh, he wasn't up to standards or something like that. That's basically what we wrote. So I took it as Big John saying, basically encouraging the UFC to remove this guy. A lot of people, I guess, read the article, somehow got to Big John and uh, get a tweet yesterday on Twitter, Cole. I sent it to you right away. He spelled my Twitter handle wrong. That's why I didn't see it originally. I remember, Cole, I getting all these messages. I'm like, why are people messaging me about this article? And then now I see the tweet from Big John. He basically said, you know, you, you wrote the story. This is a false story. It's a false headline. You know, what's up with this? This is not what I said. So I replied to Big John in a professional manner. I said, hey, John, you know, I respect you. This is what I took your tweet as. I thought this was the context of your tweet. If I was wrong, I apologize. I'll, I will give Big John the benefit of the doubt because I respect him so much, Cool. I still believe in my heart that he kind of didn't want to say what he said, but I think there was a lot of backlash against him. and. I think that you kind of regretted tweeting that a little bit because I had people DM me afterwards like that said, hey, you know what? I, I think that's what he said too. So it is what it is. But again, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because it's Big John and I respect Big John. Anyways, he ended up following me on Twitter and we had a DM back and forth and uh, he just basically said, you know, 
uh, I only have 100 or whatever it is, like 280 characters, I guess now on Twitter to talk about this. And, uh, you know, I was responding to a tweet. He said, if I had more room to talk, I would have said other things. But, you know, based on the tweet, that's what I had said. And uh, he said, I, you know, I accept your apology. I appreciate you, you know, updating the story with the correction to my tweet. And I said, no problem, because I'm a pro too, Cole. And honestly, I got to be honest, guys, yesterday was tough, a tough day for me because I don't mind criticism, but man, I was getting getting shit on by some of these readers saying, you know, don't read this guy's articles anymore. This guy sucks. He's a bum. It hurt. I got to be honest. I wish John had reached out to me privately. He obviously didn't follow me at that point until he did. Then we talked privately, but I wish he did do it privately at the same time though. I am a big boy. I can handle it. I will bite the bullet in this one and say that I should have been a little bit more careful, I guess, but I will say this Cole: A lot of our articles at BJ Penn are based on tweets. We It's hard to like, for me to go and call John McCarthy and be like, Hey John, is this what you meant in your tweet? Like it's tough, but he did say in the future, you know, if I have a question or like a concern about one of his tweets, they get in touch with him. So I will, I will. I'd love to talk to him one day. I'd love to have like an interview with him. He's just an encyclopedia of knowledge. Cole. It's a tough spot to be in Cole. I mean, any thoughts on that whole situation, man? I mean, you're obviously a journalist yourself, so you know what it's like. Yeah. I took the tweet how you did too. I think, I get, I get both sides. I get where you took it from and I get why he's upset because people probably think that he's, he might know that judge. And then that judge is probably like, you really think I should be fired and whatnot. So I get why he'd be mad, but I think the whole situation was, I think it is Twitter where if he had more characters, he probably could have expressed it. But again, I think I get why people would take it that way for sure. Yeah. It is what it is, but we're cool. I mean, we talked about it and everything's good now. And uh, again, I respect John a lot, man. I really do. I watch his podcast with Josh Thompson every week. Love his podcast and uh, respect the guy. So, you know, in this specific case, I will, I'll take the fall on this one. But again, I, I still feel like it was kind of questionable. You know, John's got to be more careful too. I think he's got to be careful because if you look at the comment section quote, under the tweet, everyone kind of thought that's what he was saying too. So it is what it is. Uh, Steve, my buddy here says, uh, Volkanovski dodged the bullet. Yeah, that's what he even said that apparently. I think. Greg Rosenstein or something got like a comment from his corner and said that well we dodged the bullet in that one. Kinshura says he thought Max won even though he had a parlay with Volkanovski. Yeah, it was a close fight, but I, I thought Max won. Uh, the other fight, obviously, Peter Yan Aldo, uh, the stoppage call. Leon Roberts, man, referee. Okay, so people are like, who's this ref? They've never seen him. Have you ever watched the UFC fight? This guy's been around forever. He's been around for like 10 years. He does all like the English cards. He's a good ref. He's not a great ref. He's a good ref. Terrible stoppage call. Yeah, this fight should have been stopped like two minutes earlier. It was cool. – for a solid minute and a half, all all it did was just put his hands over his head, and he never tried to move position. He never tried to punch back. He never did anything. Like, he never tried to escape position. He was basically just – and Chael saw it on the ESPN post-fight show. He actually said something really interesting. He's, he's like, when a fighter puts both hands on their head, and doesn't move it's basically to the ref that basically says help me get out of here like i want out of this fight he said any you see it that's how most tko fights end is the fight just puts both their hands on doesn't move and just lets the ref end it this fight there was way too many punches you saw all the blood dripping down this is just way too much damage for although i this was this was a really bad stop like it should have been stopped a minute and a half earlier like at what point like where did Leon Roberts think this fight, like Aldo, had a chance to come back? Like I don't know. He it was, was, it was terrible. He gave him the benefit of the doubt, but he gave him way too much of a benefit. It's just hard to watch. I'm sitting there yelling at the TV, stop the fight, stop. Like I'm sure a lot of people were. It's just hard to watch, man. 
we love watching MMA. We love seeing great knockouts. We love seeing good finishes. But just seeing someone like turtle up getting pummeled on Cole, like that's not even enjoyable to watch. So awful to watch. Um, it's going through the rest of the card. You know, Rose had a good win. I, I thought uh, Rebus looked good against Paige. Now, one of the best knockouts of the night, probably the best knockout of the night, Yuri uh, Petraska knocking out Volkan. A huge win for this guy, man. Great fight. Crazy fight, by the way. Really weird fight. That first round was really weird. This guy is kind of crazy. I see a lot of holes in his game, though, Cole. It is striking defense. He so, can get a lot. He's going to, like, if he fights Reyes, he gets knocked out. If he fights Tiago Santos, he gets KO'd, I think, too. But uh, a guy like Volkan, Volkan's pretty technical, but he was way too willing to brawl this fight. I guess he kind of just didn't think this guy was up to his level, but clearly was knocked him out. So to me, this is a big win for this guy. I think he gets a top, you know, five opponent next. We'll see. What I happens. hated the Johnny Walker call out, too. So weird. I mean, I think Usamir Walker makes sense, in my opinion. That would make sense. But yeah, I, I don't understand why the guy just lost to Nikita Krylov. Like, that's a not two fight losing streak, and he's ranked like what, 12 or 13? He should have knocked, he should have called it Corey Anderson, the guy who knocked out Johnny Walker. That's the call because Corey Anderson ranked number four and doesn't have a fight lined up. And I would pick Yuri to beat Corey Anderson. Maybe an interesting fight. Corey's definitely got good wrestling and his stand ups improving, but that chin against Yuri with that power call, I'd have to go with Yuri. Rest of the card here, Salikov. Really controversial decision here. Uh, I thought that Zaleski won the fight competitive, but I thought he won. Amir Carney looked great. <laughs> Leo Santos, I already talked about this with Steve, but man, that was a, one of the weirdest fights I've ever seen. And I got briefly mentioned this. I think it was Mark Otter was the ref. Take a damn point after like a, a couple of groin shots. Like stop warning guys. That's what happens when you warn guys too much. They think they can get away with things. And this the guy goes and legally ease them. He did take two points eventually, but this was such a sketchy fight. Leonardo Santos, the fact he toughed it out after those groin shots, Cole, and also after that illegal knee to the head, he's a tough dude. He deserves a top opponent. Uh, Marcin Taburo gets the win. Awful fights, just kind of laid on top of Grishin, who doesn't look like he's a UFC counter fighter at all. Paiva defeats Zumagov. Cole, I thought Zumagov won this fight. What do you think? Yeah, I picked Paiva in this fight, and I did not see him winning. Oh, yeah. I, when, it, when the fight ended, I'm like, ah. Dang, there's there's my pick wrong, and then all of a sudden they're like Paiva. I'm like, oh, I'll take it for the picks, but I don't think he won the fight. No, Azuma Gulab won this fight. He got. I think this was a robbery, to be honest. I thought he clearly won the last two rounds. They rewarded that guy Paiva for kicking him in the nuts twice. That doesn't. I think they were scoring that as points. The judges, they're like, oh, that that landed. It's un, unreal. Like he should have had a point deducted, by the way. And if there was a point deducted, it would have been a draw. Carol Rosa wins her fight, and then Davy Grant, with one of the performance of the nights, gets a knock over Martin Dame in the third round. We both called this dog. Still don't understand why Martin Dame was such a big underdog, big favorite that day. Remember, he was like minus 175. We're like, what the heck? Why? Davy Grant gets the win in the third round. After breaking his jaw, I think it was the first round where Dave dropped him. So Dave actually did have some success early, but yeah, man, what a great win for uh, Davy Grant, though. Really nice win. And a guy that really could use that 50K call. I was really happy to hear that he got the 50K. Can't sure likes Yuri. We do too. Kevin Scott, he asked, what's up, Kevin? What's going on, man? Kevin sent me a bunch of his bets. I think a couple of them actually cashed a good there. Um, let's just go through a few of the fight houses. Cole will get out here. Sean O'Malley against Marlon Vera, UFC 252. Great fight. Perfect matching. I think we both suggested this fight in the podcast. I'm pretty sure this is the fight I suggested, and John Dodson as well. But Marlon Vera's perfect fight for him. Um, I think O'Malley will be favored quite a bit in this fight. What do you think? Yeah, this is the fight where after I talked to O'Malley after he's going over Wyland, he said, I've said, like, who do you – and he said, I want Marlon Vera. Like he said, that's the perfect fight for me. We're scheduled at 239. Let's do it now. Yeah. I think it's a good fight. I think it's going to be another stand up fight. And I think O'Malley's going to, O'Malley has so much hype behind him and so much fans that he's going to be bet up to a massive favorite again. 
you'll probably be like minus 400, maybe minus 500. You got to give Rivera some respect. He's a very tough dude, tough to finish, and he's a good fighter. But O'Malley's so tactical, man. He's got so much power. This fight's great, Cole. You can send it to me right away. One of my favorite fighters to watch, Tim Means, taking on Loriano Steropoli. Love this fight, Cole. Any thoughts so quickly? This is such a good fight. This is gonna be this is gonna be such a sweet fight. Tim Means is never in a boring fight. Yeah, yeah, he's awesome. I love Tim Means. Big fan of him forever. Uh, a couple other fights here: Randy Costa against Jerry Newsom, uh, Julian Marquez against Saparag Safarov, and Sarah Alper against Jessica Rose Clark. Any thoughts on those fights? Uh, Randy Costa, Jeremy Newsom should be good, but I'll add another one I just saw on Twitter. Combate is reporting Bellator's comeback July 24th, which is so weird because there's been nothing on it and it's 10 days away. But they're reporting Sergio Pettis versus Ricky Bandejas, which is a. I like that matchup. But it's, Bellator's in 10 days and no one knows where it is. What I think there's been like two fights announced. So, like, what's Bellator waiting for? Like, I'm honestly still skeptical they're going to return July 24th. It's weird. Like, are these guys training hard? Like, who knows? Are they going to make weight? I, <laughs> there's going to be a ton of catchweight fights for that car, I'm assuming, Cole. Like, they, Bellator loves their catchweights. Cool. Like, they're going to do that for sure. Yeah, every main card. There will be, like, five fights on a main card, and three of them are catchweights. i got to be honest. It's How bad of a look is it for Bellator? Patricio Pitbull, who's probably their best fighter and who is their best homegrown talent ever, He's out there calling out the UFC champion because he can't get a fight and calling for the Alley Act to make this fight. He can't get a fight, Cole. Bellator doesn't have events coming up. I mean, I'm assuming he'll be on one of the next cards, but that's a terrible look for Bellator, man. And I talked about this with uh, – Cameron who it was, was Steve or – I think it was with Steve on, on Saturday when I had him on. Uh, man, they've lost so much momentum. I feel like everyone's forgotten about Bellator at this point, Cole. Like, it's – they're very uh, far behind the UFC at this point. A um, couple of comments here. Kenshiro says, Paige Isaac can focus on our only fans now instead of – they're fighting thanks to Rebus. I don't think she retires. I see a lot of people saying this. I don't think she's going to retire, man. I think she'll go to Bellator. I think she'll sign with Bellator, Cole. And I think a fight with McFarlane's a big fight for them. What do you think? Yeah, it's massive. I wouldn't even be surprised if she gets an instant title shot right away. Right when they sign, have McFarlane's next title defense against Van Zandt. It's because I think Van Zandt, there's a good possibility she probably loses to some of those flyweights. Where if she loses in Bellator, you can't do the title shot. But coming from the UFC, like I wouldn't be surprised if they give her the title shot right away, try to capitalize on her signing in with an immediate impact. I agree. Uh, Ken Shiro says, Scott Cooper is not the same man. He has the same energy he used to have. Yeah, it's true. He's getting older. He's been promoting fights forever, man. K1, Strike Force, a long time. Uh, Steve says, I feel like UFC's handpicking fights for O'Malley. I, mean, I think that's obvious. And he hasn't fought a legitimate wrestler yet. Yeah, don't, he hasn't. If you look at his resume, Cole, they have been really giving him like a lot of strikers. Wyland's a striker. Quinones is, I don't even know what he is. I guess a striker. Zukota, where? I mean, let's be, let's be fair here. Mally's fought a really low level competition, man. Like, these guys are not great, but he's been impressive. He's getting them out there quickly since he came back from his layoff, two straight wins by first round KO. So he's impressive, but it's a step up, in my opinion. I, I think Marlon Mayer is a much better fighter than Eddie Wyland at this point in their careers. Eddie Wyland's a guy who's been around. He has some success, obviously, during his career, former WC champ, but I think that, uh, there is a much better fighter. So we'll see what happens in that fight. But I, I agree with you that he should be a big favorite. And by the way, that card, the main card was announced on the weekend, Cole. It's a nice card. Uh, first uh, main event is obviously a trilogy between Steepy and DC in the little cage. Someone's Did you see the poster? I think that's such a nice poster. <laughs> yeah, I liked it. That fight's not going the distance, by the way, Cole. No way in that, in that small cage. It's going to end quick. JDS versus Rosenstruck. I know that you interviewed uh, JDS or you interviewed Rosenstruck. Yeah, and they're teammates, right? At ATT. Yeah, which I never, I totally forgot. And then I was talking to Rosenstruck. I'm like, 
He's like, oh, yeah, like, JDS is in the gym at the same time as me. I'm like, what? Do your research, Cole. <laughs> I don't know. And then I'm like, have you ever sparred with them? He's like, no. And like, I've been at ATT for a while, and we totally have different coaches. Oh, like, ATT is such a big gym where he says he's never stepped, like, he's never worked pads or ground with JDS once. He's never worked with JDS coaches. Like, They probably knew that they were going to fight each other at some point, and they were like, you know, let's just stay away from each other. But, yeah, you're right. It's a huge gym. A lot of these guys don't train together. I mean, even when Colby and, and Hori were there, I don't think they crossed past that much at one point. Um, rest of that main card, Mega Man Ankalov against Kudalaba, the rematch. I'm assuming Ankalov's going to be a big favorite there again. Munoz against Edgar. Lines out for that, by the way, Cole. Munoz is actually a really big favorite. Minus 240 against Edgar, plus 180. So Edgar's a big I don't favorite. think he was that big of a favorite. for. Yeah, kind of weird, right? It feels like he's actually a bigger favorite now. Like, kind of weird. I don't even think he was. He might have just been minus 200, I think. Yeah, I, I think the line's made it bet down. It's kind of high on uh, Munoz. He's, he's good. He should be favored, but I don't know. And then O'Malley Vera, and then there's a couple other fights. Uh, Manuel Cape against Richard. Ooh, I'm really looking forward to his debut. Yeah, me too. So, if anyone has any last second questions, throw them in there. Uh, I'm just going to go through a little bit of news quickly, really quickly. Paul, Jeru Shepard, former Bellator veteran, has been, he was murdered, dude, at his own birthday party, which is like a horrible story. Wrote that up on BJ Penn. Check that out. But definitely our condolences to Jeru Shepard, former Bellator veteran, uh, champion of the British MMA scene. That cool. I mean, seriously, like, and his family was there, and his mom I saw him like bleeding to death. Like that is just horrible. I don't know who stabbed him. They haven't found the guy yet, but I mean, this guy is such a scumbag. Uh, I see right now Peter Yan is targeting a t- uh, October title fight with Alvin Sterling. I see that on BJ Penn. So hopefully that's the next fight. Uh, there's rumors now that Cody Garbrandt might step in and get that title shot instead, which would only be the case because UFC loves him. But I think that uh, Yan should probably fight Sterling. And I got to promote, obviously, your podcast and see it there as well. You can talk about that as well. So, yeah, cool. I think that's it for today. Uh, go ahead. Plug your stuff. Plug your podcast. Go ahead, man. Yeah, the podcast up on BJ Penn. Video interviews with Colin Cater, Dan Ige, Jack Hermanson, all the written stories today with on Cater and Ige for their fights. Uh, I guess I can plug the July 18th stuff for next Thursday. So this week it was just those two and Tim Elliott on MMA News and then everything else is on my Twitter. Yeah, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Emma Martin. Podcast is available at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchors, a bunch of places. I put all the links into the uh, MA Oddsbreaker um, post, so definitely check that out. And, of course, we have tons of content for tomorrow's card there at MAOddsbreaker.com, so got to do that as well. Uh, BJPen.com, all the news, and then MA Rings on that. I'll definitely have an article there this week, and I also have one already posted about UFC 251 and the aftermath of that. Uh, I already mentioned this at the beginning of the show. I'll be back on Thursday at 10 a.m. for the next podcast. And definitely tune in then. Cole, thanks for joining me today as always, man. And everyone who submitted a question, really appreciate it, guys. 10 a.m. Thursday, recap this card and then look forward to the next card. Kenshiro, great job again, boys. I really appreciate you as always, Kenshiro. Have a great day, guys. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.